Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, welcome to Gateway. Good crowd today. Glad to have you with us. Uh, For those who do not know me, I'm Ronald Flynn. I'm the executive pastor here at Gateway Baptist Church. My wife and I, Hattie, started visiting Gateway in 1988, Hmm, just a few decades ago. Not bad. And uh, I'm also privileged to be a part of the missions team here at Gateway Baptist Church. So being a member of that, that's why I'm speaking this morning. Just to remind you of a message that Dr. Bill Jones brought back in February at our Global Impact Celebration, Blessed to be a Blessing. The missions team and I would like to just kind of go back over what does it really mean to be blessed to be a blessing. We also have some exciting things that are taking place this summer, including a mission trip that's planned for Atlanta, Georgia, that I'll give you an update on uh, later on in the sermon. And I just want to say one thing before we get started. I need to pray. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your love for us. It's undescribable. Father, we're not worthy other than the fact that we accepted the grace that was offered to us through our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that today that this message would at least put one thing on people's hearts and their minds, that the missions of God and the purpose of God and the theme of God's Bible is what we should be about. What matters to him should matter to us. So I pray, Lord, that uh, today that you would uh, quieten my spirit, that you'd give me the words I need to speak, and that the people that are hearing that's within the range of this voice would find something that they can cling to and that they might think about, and they may even participate in the things of your heart. It's in Christ's name, amen. You know, the 40 authors wrote 66 books over a thousand years, and that theme is called the Bible, the Holy Bible. It has one theme, one common theme. Uh, The whole story of God's story is how Jesus came to this earth because God loved all of mankind and desired for them to have a savior because they need a savior. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short. Now, if that's where it was left, it would not be the gospel. It would not be the good news. The good news is, is what I said in the preference, that God knew we needed a savior. And as Jeremy said in Romans 6.23, he sent his son so that we might be saved so that we could be in right relationship with the Holy God, and so that we might be blessed so we can be a blessing to others. It's amazing to me how we have earned this thing called sin through birth, through Adam. But here's what's even more amazing to me is how John 3.16 sums it all up in one verse. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because God blessed us with a thing called salvation because we chose that through our faith in Jesus Christ. We are now blessed people. You know, God loves everyone in the world whether they accept him or whether they reject him. He still has a desire that all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all people come to know him and to worship him, to follow him. You know, God is calling 
people that are blessed to be a blessing to others. So what does being blessed mean to you and to me? Well, I'm going to go with what the, the, the Webster would tell us. Being blessed means that we are uh, shown special favor. We've shown mercy. We are given benefits. But I like what the Greek word translates. The Greek word translates that we're fully satisfied. Now think about your relationship with your God. Special favor, for sure. His mercy, we didn't deserve but he gave it to us freely. Think about uh, our benefits, being his child. And then more importantly, think about how you are fully satisfied in that relationship with him. So what is a blessing? Many people look at a blessing as something that's material, that they've received something material that they can put their hands on, that it's tangible. But scripture or the Bible tells us so much more than what that blessing means. It's a fuller meaning of blessing. Being fully blessed by God means that God makes us in a way that we can be fully satisfied in him. You know, I like the word I am when God says I am. God is all things to all people so that all of them can be fully satisfied in him. Whatever you're lacking, whatever your need is, God can fulfill that for you. You know, there's many things that I can't do and I understand that. But I know in God's economy, the things that of his calling I can do because he can. He is more than capable to equip me and to get me through whatever it is that he calls me to do. I love it when people tell me that they can't when they're trying to do something that's for God's glory because God doesn't say that anywhere in his scripture. He says over and over and over again, if he calls you, then you can. And you won't grow weary in his will in his fully being satisfied. He also calls you to be deeper, deeper in a relationship with him. This sanctification, this walking, this life is for us to grow closer and closer to him. He also calls us so that we might give back to others so that as he's blessed us, we're to bless others. That's just a natural outpouring. And the one thing that I really like about God's word and about what he tells us when he blesses us is that if we have Jesus, we have everything. There's nothing you're lacking. I don't care what's going on in your life. I know life comes at you hard, comes at you fast. It gives you things you don't ask for, things that you don't want, things that you wish would go to someone else or just go away. But you've got everything you need. You're fully blessed if you have Jesus in your life. Now I'm speaking from life experience and many of you have experienced some of the same things that I've experienced. And I know this, that when I'm in my lowest point, God is always there. When I'm in my highest point, God is always there. I don't care what trial, what tribulation, what's thrown at me, God is always there. And I can be fully satisfied. I can have that peace that goes without any understanding that the world can come to. But let me go one step further with God, not just uh, knowing him. I know that as a human, I hold on to the things of this world. And God tells us if we want to be fully satisfied, we got to release this world and grab on to things that are eternal. Things that are eternal has nothing to do with materials. Now, you may be given material things so that you can do more because God has blessed you with that so that you can do more, but not so that you can hoard it or hold on to it. I talked to a fellow from India and he told me how he captures monkeys. 
Now, I know you probably won't have an opportunity unless you go to the zoo to capture a monkey. But the way they do it is they lay a trap and they put a banana inside that trap. A monkey comes along, sometimes a small child, but they reach in and they grab that banana. And as they're trying to pull the banana out, the person capturing them goes up and captures them. They won't release the banana. Their eye is on the banana. Well, we are the same way many, many times in our Christian walk. Our eye is on the things of this world. And then we let the world capture us. And we lose our freedom. And we don't become fully, fully satisfied in Christ. Because we're holding on too tight to the things that are temporary. The things that are temporary are going to go away. The only thing that's going to last is relationships. Relationships is the only thing that's going to last through eternity. And that's what God is calling us to do. So to be blessed to bless others is not just for us. But as in a Christian, as a believer, as a Christ follower, you know, we're blessed so we can be, and we're given grace, so we can be grace givers. We're to give that away. You know, people say that missions is the heart of God. And it's an indescribable grace that I have a hard time comprehending in my own personal life. Because I know how God saved me and took me from death to life at a very young age. But I know the things that I've done have not always been pleasing to God. I remember back uh, when my wife went on her first mission trip. She went to a country in Moldova, and she went to an orphanage right outside of Kishnev. And she came home, and we had the balloons, and we had the handmade banners. And my son and my daughter and myself, we sat in our living room near the fireplace, and my wife was telling us about her mission trip. She talked uh, in great detail about the people. She talked in great detail about a little girl named Vera that was in that orphanage. She talked about the condition of that orphanage, something that we have probably never experienced here in the United States. And she was crying because her heart was broken because she saw people that needed a savior. And Madova had just been uh, freed from communism and they were well open to hear the gospel, but her heart was broken. And at one point in that conversation, I asked a question and her response to me, at that time, we'd been married 47 years. At that time, we'd been married over 20 years. She said, Ronald, you can't understand unless you go on a mission trip. It broke my heart. The Holy Spirit convicted me greatly because I'd done the math and the math in my household with my finances said that both of us couldn't go, that only one of us could go. And being the husband that I am, I thought I'd give her that gift. And what I ended up doing is telling God I didn't have faith. I was telling God I didn't believe his word. In his word, he says he owns a thousand mountains. He owns a thousand cattle, and on that thousand mountains, he owns them also. I was telling God my faith was not big enough. And my wife went, and she was blessed. She went to bless others. Most people that serve, I don't care where you're at serving, here in Ballantyne or halfway around the world, you get more by giving to others than you get for going. God has that phenomenon. I also realized that I can't outgive God and that I didn't have the faith that it took because if God calls you, I don't care what it is, if it is a God-honoring task and it's within his will, he'll provide even the financial resources. He'll find a way. He will make sure that you're not like me 
using my own intellect, using my own bank account, using my own spreadsheet to determine whether God was big enough because he is big enough. And I say that because a lot of people that talk to me say they can't do missions, they can't serve, they can't go. And yet, after the first service, I had a lady come up and says, you know, I'm not in a position I can go, but I can send. See, there's money that we haven't even thought about that's out there waiting for us to go. There are people to come around us and encourage us if we're just obedient when God says go. All we have to do is when God calls, is to do what he calls us to do. Sounds pretty simple. I mean, I've been in the business place for many, many years, and I always thought the safest place to be is exactly where my boss asked me to be. If he tells me to go, I go. If he tells me to stop, I stop. Well, our God is no different from that. If he calls you, he'll provide the way for you to go. So I asked that question, and she said I had to go. And years later, I was blessed to go. But we will not totally understand God's heart until we're on missions with God. Once again, that can be praying, that can be giving, that can be going, that can be sending, that could be serving. God has so many on-ramps and he calls us in so many different ways and he's gifted us in so many different ways. But he knows exactly when he calls you what he wants you to do because he knows you. You know, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made, but he designed us. You know, I'm an extreme introvert. That's not all bad. But it does make it difficult sometimes to speak in a group. It does. But God says, today is your day. The missions team told me they wanted me to do the speech. So I'm talking. And after this, I'm going to go home and nap for about five hours. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. God, if he calls you, you can do it. You leave the results up to him. Let me tell you what Matthew 28, 16 says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, we call that the great commission, but many times as Christians, as believers, we call it the great option because we choose whether or not to be obedient to that. You notice the 11 disciples, he told them to go to a mountain. He didn't give them, you know, an itinerary. He just said, go to the mountain. And they went to the mountain. Man, if we could be that obedient that when God calls, we just do, how much better off we would feel blessed to be a blessing to others. They were faithful to go wherever he sent them, and he sent them. And when he showed up, they worshiped him. How do you not come into the presence of a holy God and not worship him? I mean, how do you not do that? It's amazing the God that we serve. It's such an undescribable love that he has for us. And if you just think about his love, his love for the world, and how he tells us to love him, but to love others also. How is it we take that grace and we want to hold on to it and we don't want to give it that way? We don't want to see it multiply. They worshiped him. And then he says all authority, not some authority, but all authority. You know, we get tied up in what's happening around us and we take our eyes off of Jesus and we take the eyes off the fact that all authority 
There is nothing happening today that surprised Jesus. God didn't wake up one morning and said, oh no, look what's happening. He knew. And he asked us to be in this world, to be a part of this world, to be a light and to be a salt in this world, to be a blessing to this world. You know, when it's the darkest, the light shines the brightest. What a tremendous time to be alive today so that we might share who Jesus Christ is and tell the stories of the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. That's what he's called us to do. So Jesus has all authority. He tells us to go. Now this go is not, oh, I'm gonna go serve at Irmo Village and I'm gonna come back and I'm finished for the rest of my life. This go is kind of like as you go through life, as you do life, you do life going. You go through life serving Jesus. You go through life blessing others. It's as you go out. So it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's kind of scary sometimes when I read in scriptures that we're called ambassadors. You know, we're representatives of a holy God. You know, it's, it's scary sometimes when I'm even told I'm a saint in the scripture. Now, those who know me know I'm not a saint. But in God's economy, because of my having Jesus Christ in my life, when he looks at me, he doesn't see me for me. He sees me through the lens of the fact that I've accepted Jesus Christ, the grace that he's offered me through my faith. Now, I love seeing myself as a joint heir. That sounds pretty intriguing. Heaven is going to be a great place to go. So I understand the joint heir. I even like the fact that I'm called his child. But as a child, sometimes he has to discipline me. Sometimes his spirit has to come along and say, Ronald, you need to move away from that fire. Or you're going to get burnt. And sometimes his spirit tells me, Ronald, there's an opportunity to serve someone, to be a blessing to them. You were blessed that you can bless them. So I like those things uh, that God tells us. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. And here's where I've got to tell you a story about all nations. My first time in a Middle East country. And I know this doesn't play well or say much for me as a person. But I'm just trying to be somewhat transparent here. I'm in a Middle East country. I'm up over the top in a place called the Citadel looking down over the city. And I'm seeing the cars. I'm hearing the traffic. I'm hearing people talk. And we were supposed to be praying for our time in that city to witness to Muslims. And I cried like a baby because I was not heartbroken like my wife was heartbroken when she came back from Madova. My heart was not broken. That first evening, I had a hard time praying for a group of people that I don't like. Good news, good news. I've been back to the Middle East in countries that uh, many people never even get to go to so I can share the gospel or so I can train uh, former Muslim pastors, God took that heart of mine that was broken. That was the spirit telling me, you should be, your heart should long for the same things I long for. I wasn't there. That first night, I wasn't there. And I engaged myself to do what God had called me to do on that trip. And before that trip was over, I understand that God wants all nations everyone to come to him. You know, it's kind of amazing. One of the Joshua projects says that about 40% of the world doesn't have access to the gospel, the unreached. Uh, that's about 3 billion people that don't have access to the gospel. Uh, 
Back in 2000, I was a vice president of the trucking company. I like to throw that out. I'm dropping a little name or hint here. Uh, I did my first annual meeting. We had about 700 people at that meeting, and I did the devotion. And my devotion centered around a uh, annual report I just received in the mail. I owned, uh, you know, we talk about God blessing us with material things. I had one share of stock in Coca-Cola, one. I got that so I could get their annual report, but also like the way that the stock was performing. In the annual report, the chairman that year said they plan on having a Coke, access to a Coca-Cola in every country around the world within five years. Now, think about this. Jesus gave the Great Commission over 2,000 years ago. Coca-Cola gave the commission in 2000 to have a Coke in every country, access to a Coke. The last time I checked, the only place you cannot get a Coca-Cola in this world is going to be Cuba. That may have been lifted, and it's going to be a place called North Korea. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Even if you're a Pepsi lover, think about this. What's more important, a Coke and a smile, or Jesus and salvation? Coke and a smile can get around the world because someone says we can profit by material. Jesus says, I want my name known throughout this world so that you and I can be blessed. And that brings so much more than a smile. So I think about today as he says, go to all nations, he means all nations, and he's with us everywhere. So what are some on-ramps to get involved in missions? Some of you are far along on the on-ramps. The missions team here at Gateway has five-level trips. Fifth level is the highest level you can go to. We have folks in our congregation that goes to some of the hardest places in the world, and they take the gospel with them. But then we have folks who have never even experienced serving in the community. Maybe not even ever sharing their testimony to a loved one or a family friend. Maybe not even having the privilege of seeing someone cross over from death to life by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're all in different places in this walk. So when we talk about on-ramps, you have to figure out where you're at. And then what does God want you to do next? It's not what Ronald wants you to do. It's not what Gateway wants you to do. It's what, what would God ask you to do next? Because ultimately, that's what matters is what God wants you to do next. You know, showing the love of Jesus in a real and practical way, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And I found this out to be true. The more you do it, the more opportunities come to you. You know, we spend a lot of time praying, God, give me the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus today. And I find that the more you tell people about Jesus the more those opportunities seem to just appear. It's not a God thing. It's just that your eyes to spiritual things has opened up, that you're now more aware of the need around you. I don't know if you remember the Mission Impossible slogan at the beginning. It says, your mission if you decide to accept it. Your mission if you decide to accept it. Salvation is available to everyone if we decide to accept it. Being a blessing to others is available to everyone if we decide to accept it. You know, we get to decide through our free will whether we're going to be a blessing to others or not. And we're going to do one infomercial, 
Should be a piece of paper out front that you can pick up that tells you some of the things that's happening at Gateway. And it should also be a thing that tells you an opportunity about a mission trip. Now I'm gonna take just two minutes to talk about the first Sunday, June the 6th. Not only can you get involved in a kids club training, but in the two hours of service, the nine and 10.30, you can go to a classroom in the monitor. Dr. Bill Jones will be teaching on the one verse method on how to witness. I can tell you this, he wrote the book, but I can tell you even more. I've used the one verse method, it works. Now, I have, have to do a disclaimer though. Because you know Romans Road or Evangelism Explosion or one verse method or the cube or any of those other tools, they're all great. What's the greatest though is when you get into that situation, how God opens your heart and the person or persons you're talking to's heart and you're able to talk a spiritual language through the Holy Spirit talking through you to the person that you're talking to. You can transition to spiritual things and you walk away from there saying, where did that come from? It had to be the Holy Spirit guiding me through that conversation. God has already gone out before any one of us, before we even open our mouth and said, prepare the soul. All we have to be is obedient to that. All we have to do is use our words. Now, as a Christian, being a Christian is more than just doing. It's about being. People listen to our words, but they also look at us in our life. Our life has to match up to what God has called us to be. So I do want you to look through this. The second one is on the 13th. Judy and Clint Davis are gonna talk about how to write your testimony. If you don't have the ability to share how God has touched your life, what you've seen and what you've heard, excellent, excellent to be a part of that. I do a little trick thing whenever I do a mission trip. I ask the people that goes on the trip with me if they would take the one verse method or their testimony, find someone that they have a relationship with, tell them they're in a class and that they have to share this and would they be willing to listen to it? I've had two people pray to receive Christ because I've been able to share with them what I was learning in a classroom by asking them if they'd give me permission. The one lady at the trucking company I worked for broke down in tears in the conference room and said she's not ready. And I asked why, and she said, because I'm not good enough. I asked the question, when are you gonna be good enough? We're never gonna be good enough. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned fallen short. A week later was her birthday, I called her on the phone. I was out of town, I traveled a lot, and I said, look, I didn't get you a birthday gift, but I wanna give you the greatest gift that mankind could ever receive. I want to give you the gift of salvation. I want to talk to you again. I got back in town on Friday, back in the conference room. She prayed to receive Christ. All that because I tricked her. No, it's all that because the Holy Spirit was working and the Holy Spirit desired to call all people. And she just happened to be the person that God put in front of me that particular time to speak to. You know, I, I love the scripture in Acts 1.8, a lot of people know, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The reason why I wanted to point that out is because the scripture is clear that you, you will be my witness. You know, our buildings aren't our witness. This building is not our witness. This is not our witness. This is a place for us to come together so we might go out 
and be a blessing to others. Not so that we can come in. Yes, we bless and encourage each other. I tell you, I can't go a week without being amongst my people, my tribe. I, I love my church. I have for over 30 years. I love my church. But I love what God loves more because I love him. I have to love others. I have to. I don't have an option in that. That's a mission that I decided I would accept. You know, my last mission trip was to Costa Rica. I'm looking at one of the teens that went with us. We had nine teenagers that went with us and the youth or student pastor. And part of that trip was to do backyard Bible clubs, vacation Bible school. And we did them at a church and we would go in the, uh, at nighttime we had a, a worship service and uh, either myself or the other pastor that went would preach. Uh, the students would share their testimonies. Uh, we would hang out with the people. Uh, but the best part for me was in the afternoon. We did door-to-door evangelism. You know, when I was growing up, they said only 16% of the people had the gift of evangelism. So I said, well, I know that's not me. I'm not one of those chosen 16. Now I hear it's about 1% of the people have the gift of evangelism. Man, I'm off the hook. I don't have to. No, no, wait a minute. When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be my witness. I can't wiggle out of that. Even though I'm not gifted in evangelism, I have to tell people what I've seen and what I've heard, what God has done in my life. That first day when we went out walking and we were in different groups each day, getting those students to go even knock on the door to say hello, to try to get to people. Because Costa Rica, they have a gate on the outside of their house. You go to the gate, you yell into the house. Somebody will come out. They'll normally come to the gate. If they really like what you got to say, they'll let you inside the gate. Now, after a few more minutes, if they really, really like what you're saying, they'll invite you up on the porch. And then if they really, really, really like what you got to say, you become a part of the family. You go in the house. You sit down. You get to hang out with them. You get to do life with them. That first day, the kids hardly said anything. I mean, we had to do rock, paper, scissors, draw straws to get them to speak up on that first day. That second day... As we were in a different area doing the same door-to-door evangelism, the kids were more than welcome to say, welcome, we're from Gateway Baptist Church in America. We're here to talk to you today. One of the kids would share their testimony. We'd start sharing the scripture. And uh, we had four people pray. My group had four people to pray to receive Christ that second day. I said, this is amazing. It's amazing. That third day we went out, I love the kids here at Gateway. Gateway does such an awesome job with our teenagers and our teenagers do such an awesome job. But I thought I was gonna have to do some church discipline on them because they were hungry, hungry, excited about engaging people, talking to people. They wanted to take over and several of them said, well, I know they've shared their testimony, but I wanna share my testimony too. And I'm going, okay, okay, we'll share the testimony because if God's leading, we got to go. We had five people pray to receive Christ that third day. And on one of those homes we went to, the gentleman there, we were talking to two ladies on a bicycle that drove up because they said, we heard you're talking about Jesus. We want to talk to you. (laughs) One of those ladies prayed to receive Christ. They they ran us down on a bicycle, but the man at that house said he wasn't interested. 
And the lady there said, he's a man of influence here. He's a wealthy man. And we thought to ourselves, well, if a wealthy person come to know Jesus, if he's a person of influence, come to know Jesus, what impact would he have on this community? Because they're small communities. They're in pockets. So we stood outside in a circle. The ladies got off the bicycle and we started praying for that man to open up his heart, to soften up a little bit, to allow us to share the gospel with him. And we were praying loud. It's not because God didn't have the ability to hear us. I think we just want to make sure this guy knew that we loved him and that we cared for his soul. And we desired for him to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because God does so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was an exciting trip for me. Uh, And the only thing we did, because it wasn't about us. Once again, we can't, but God can. We were just obedient. But I saw in these teenagers as they went from day one to day two to day three, how excited they got about seeing people transition from death to life. There's no greater honor or privilege than be a part of that process. Can go through your praying, can be through your sending, can be through your going, could be through your serving. So the mission team wants to know what's your next step. One of the next steps that we do have, and once again, it's found on the brochure out front. You can go to Gateway website to event page. Uh, If the website event page isn't working correctly, you can always send an email to info at Gateway BC. And I'll go ahead and say you can send it to Judy D for Davis at Gateway BC. And you get all the information you need to know about how you can get engaged in upcoming events. But this mission trip to Atlanta in July, I want to push it. The reason why I want to push it, not just because Judy has asked me to go and be a part of it, but in about a 10-mile area of Atlanta, Georgia, Whirlwind Missions, they have 145 uh, countries and 761 languages represented. So the world comes to you in Atlanta. I mean, it comes to you. And you get exposed to so many belief systems and so many people. And you're doing a backyard Bible club in typically a Hispanic area, but there's more than just Hispanics that lives in that area. So I would encourage you if you've got the time and if God is calling for you to investigate that. I want to remind you what Peter and John did when uh, that's highlighted in Acts 3 and 4. They had just healed a person who was paralyzed. Uh, The Sanhedrin got news of it. They got tired of seeing the crowd gather around Peter and John. Peter and John only had one theme when they preached, Christ, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. That was their message. That's all they had to say. There's enough power in that that it's going to bear fruit. Things that they've seen, things that they've heard. Sanhedrin's took them, put them in jail for a night. Didn't really tell them what they were arrested for, but put them in jail, intimidated them a little bit. They went back and said, look, if you stop talking, we'll let you go. Probably the first time out came in Acts 4. I know it was uh, uh, apparent many years ago. I didn't know what time out was. We didn't have that when I was growing up. Uh, But the first time out came because the Sanhedrin said, we're talking to them, trying to intimidate them. They're not intimidated by us. So they left. They went back. They gathered and they said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? 
this isn't working. What are we going to do? So they go back and threaten them some more, and they say, you need to stop. And here's what they say, uh, Peter says, and most likely Peter says in uh, Acts 4, verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. After a few more threats, they finally just let them go. They wasn't going to get them quiet. That's all God's calling us to do. That's all he's asking us to do. That's all his commission is all about, is get on the on-ramp for missions. Align your heart with God's heart. God's heart is for the world. Our heart should be for the world. There's so much that we can be doing in our neighborhood, in our places of business, uh, in the community. You don't have to go halfway around the world. You can, but you don't have to, to be on missions for what God's called you to be. You, once again, you can pray, you can serve, you can give, you can go, you can send. All of those are in God's language of being on missions. I've got the opportunity to uh, go back to the Middle East this October. I got assigned to be a part of a group at a sister church, and I'm going to be going over to work with uh, Syrian refugees to share the gospel. I'm going to have the opportunity to go into their tents, because most likely it's not homes. This is my second time to a refugee uh, situation, and uh, it'll break your heart to go into these homes, because they left with literally nothing but the clothes on their back. And they're not allowed to work in the country that they're in because they're not residents of that country. And they will bring you hot tea, typically. They'll bring you something that they baked. Could be beans, could be rice, could be a cookie, could be a biscuit. And they treat you as their honored guest. And then they ask the very simple question, what brings you to our country? What brings you here? And you say to the Holy Spirit, how could you not set this conversation up any better than for them to ask, why are you here? So amazing how our God, when we're obedient, allows us to serve him and to try to be a blessing to someone else blesses us more. But God has called us to go. So I would ask you as you Think about missions and what the on-ramp is, is that you would check out our mission wall on occasion, that you would contact the church office, ask for Miss Judy, go to our website, look at the events that are there. Uh, get started somewhere on that ramp. Go to your next door neighbor, invite them to come to church with you. Invite them to come to the barbecue next week. They get to eat free, not a bad deal. And they get to hear a little bit about veterans, but more about who Jesus Christ is. Invite them to be a part of your life group. Start a life group in your home. There's so many ways that you can be on missions for God. So I want to close with one last thought, which is the original thought. I had a boss. I've had more than one boss, but I had a boss, 78 years old. My whole training, this was my whole training. New at the country, company. He says, Ronald, one thing I've learned is you got to tell them, you got to tell them, you got to tell them, and you got to tell them again. I said, I think I can do that. So 
So let me tell you one more time. The whole theme is we're blessed so we might be a blessing to others. We're not blessed so that we might have the gift of salvation and not share that with others. Somewhere in our conversation, it should somewhat be natural for us to tell others about the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. And I would just hope that you'd be ready to get on the own ramp for missions, for God's mission, if he's calling you to do that. Let's pray.